Well, welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Video and Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell. And as always, we continue to bring you information for guys uh, before, during, and after divorce for all things related to family law. You know, whether it be modifications and, and legal separations and paternities and, and all things that guys are looking for and information, not only during this COVID-19 pandemic, but afterwards as well, as we continue forward to try to, to get information. And today is no different. Uh, joined by Jonathan Davis out of Memphis. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Scott. You know, before we get started and talk about what well, mandatory injunctions or, or what we call in Missouri kind of standing orders, um, I want to make sure we all know that this is an attorney-client relationship that's developed here. You know, your case is so unique and so different that your facts would dictate something likely different. And, and I encourage each of you to reach out to an attorney that practices exclusively in family law, like we do here at Cordell and Cordell, and have that consultation. And we are certainly available via phone, uh, virtually as well, via Zoom or other technology. And we're appropriate uh, considering health and safety in person. We are offering that around the country in specific areas where it's necessary and where we feel and deem it's uh, health and safety is priority for you and for everyone involved. Uh, so reach us at 866-DADS-LAW or find us on the web at CordellCordell.com and continue to tune into our monthly virtual town hall. We'll have one coming up in September where you'll have an opportunity to log on, ask questions live of our Cordell and Cordell attorneys and get answers right then and there. In addition to some great topics, great information, great talking points to help you in your case. So, all right, enough about that. Let's get started, Jonathan. Let's talk about mandatory injunctions. It's really something... Um, the guys probably, those are the big words. Um, we use standing orders or, you know, interim orders I've heard around the country. First, I guess let's talk about what that really means in Tennessee. You know, what is a mandatory injunction? And then we'll get into why and how it can help guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Scott. So in Tennessee, upon filing for a divorce, there's some mandatory injunctions that are going to automatically go into place. Uh, that means you're going to immediately get an order from the court as soon as you file. Um, what that does, it prevents uh, the other spouse from harassing you. It prevents them from draining the bank account. It prevents them from taking somebody off the health insurance or the car insurance. Uh, they want to keep the status quo as far as the assets go. Now, the other major thing is in regards to custody and visitation is if uh, one party attempts to take the other, the child out of state, mm -hmm. um, it prohibits that, or relocating them 50 miles within the state. Um, so that's especially important right now when guys are contemplating whether they should file or not. There's not really anything that they can do, um, any order or any police or anyone that can stop their wife from taking their children out of state until you file for divorce in Tennessee and get that injunction. And is that local, uh, by county by county specific, or is that uh, statewide? Are they the same across all of Tennessee? It's a statewide statute. Okay. And so I think what's important, <clears throat> as I think through some of these, depending upon the provisions in your injunction, you talk about you know whether it be dissipating assets or relocating. Um, some of them talk about stopping health insurance. It for me, and I always tell guys, look, we are in a hurry in certain circumstances to file to trigger the, the effect of these standing orders or these injunctions, but it also requires some planning, right? And then you gotta walk and think through, if I file, is there something I can't do? 
because of the injunction that I probably should be doing, right? I mean, there's got to be some sort, whether it be retirement, uh, I imagine is retirement making uh, contributions to retirement or kind of the status quo, is that basically what it does? Yes, absolutely. That's that's correct. So I guess imagine meeting with a client um, that's equally important to go through these injunctions before they're implemented. It's assuming no one's filed. And I imagine that's important to get the client in, talk through it, each way, every one of them. Absolutely. Each case, as you said earlier, is different. So um, where children are not an issue and the assets are an issue, let's say you have a self-employed business owner, then the injunctions you may not want to file right away. Mm -hmm. um, however, if you've got a joint account with your wife, who's got access to the business account, you may want to make arrangements before you file uh, due to the injunctions as well. So now COVID-19 is, I think, really amplified perhaps the importance of these injunctions. Maybe you can talk a little bit about why you know, COVID-19 would kind of create the uh, urgency to file and implement these injunctions. Very good point. Uh, the COVID-19, of course, has, has put us in a strange situation um, in, in different areas or going through different things as far as virtual school or physically being back in the classroom. Uh, I have seen several, several cases where the wife has taken off with the children back to their parents that may be out of state a couple hours away. And they say, well, school's not going back in session, so they can just stay up here. Uh, from my experience, if you file with the mandatory injunctions, the uh, even though they're not necessarily retroactive, uh, the judge wants the children to be back in their home jurisdiction regardless. Yeah. So what happens, let's just kind of paint a scenario here. Um, guy files, you know, the injunctions are put into place and subsequent to the filing uh, and a wife is put on notice that been served, knows that the injunction's in place and violates that, you know, in, in any aspect. Let's just, you know, you know, liquidates an account, stops health insurance, removes the children from the school jurisdiction or the district. What what can a guy do and what's, you know, the importance, you know, how, how are judges enforcing these injunctions? Right. At that juncture, you would file a petition for uh, contempt and uh, ask that the wife be held in contempt and ask for uh, your relief, such as returning the children or returning the monies back to the bank account. And uh, the judges take that pretty seriously. And it's going to give you a lot more credibility and you know, her credibility is going to be lessened a lot by violating that immediate injunction. So, you know, you, not only custody, it seems an issue, it's, it's money, right? And, and uh, beyond the scope of normal marital expenses, is that the standard that you can continue to use checking accounts so long as it's not outside the normal um, marital expenses that were in place prior to filing? Exactly. So it's not going to prohibit you from going out and buying your groceries or uh, paying your car note or paying your electric bill, or even if you have a business from paying your business expenses, that's perfectly fine. It does not violate the injunctions. Um, what it does is they don't want the fact that some spouse is mad about somebody divorcing them to be the reason that they drain any assets or relocate the children. So I guess that the question I'm thinking about is attorney's fees, right? Is that something that if I go and, you know, I file and then there's $5,000 sitting in the bank account, can I use that for attorney's fees or is that a violation perhaps of an injunction in Tennessee? You can use uh, marital funds as uh, attorney fees and it does not violate the injunctions. Everybody, you know, has a right to uh, hire an attorney. Got it. I mean, I guess that is, it, it's, you know, I've given these seminars at night where we talk about, let's just talk about checking accounts. 
And I always, you know, it's a question, well, what do I do with it? And I said, well, you have a couple options. You can leave it alone. Uh, you can take half uh, or you can take it all. And, and in those instances, you really need to make that decision before the injunction, presumably, right? That's, that's absolutely right. Because if you're in a situation, you don't want to leave yourself destitute where the wife has taken off with all the money and you have to go to court to get it back. Um, you may eventually prevail on that, but uh, just practically speaking, that's going to take a little bit more time. So you definitely want to plan this out strategically um, and be thinking about this and proactively filing when necessary, particularly if children are involved. But if we're just talking uh, money, we want to go ahead and, and talk with the client and uh, get their ducks in a row before, right before filing. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. So how quickly can you get a hearing in this temporary relief? Let's just say there is, I know we mentioned earlier, a contempt. Can you get it very rapidly in the event of a violation of these injunctions, maybe even in Mississippi? Sure, you can. So um, a lot of states have these injunctions. And in Mississippi, where I'm also licensed, you can actually get a temporary hearing within five days. Uh, so they're a little bit different. They don't have anything automatically. But as soon as you serve them in five days, you can have a hearing. Uh, in same back in Tennessee, they're doing most everything by Zoom in my area, and uh, we can get a hearing within about a week to less than two weeks. Awesome. So can you modify the terms or not necessarily modify the terms of the injunction uh, by consent, but say, okay, you both are allowed to do X, Y, or Z. You know, that wouldn't inherently violate it. So if you come to an agreement, do you file that with the court? Is that allowable? Yes, absolutely. If you all have an agreement to uh, modify the injunctions by consent, you would just enter an order uh, that modifies it, and any terms that don't uh, mess with the original injunctions would stay in place. So I know we, we talked a lot about property and custody, money. Uh, does it cover um, abuse, uh, harassment, stalking, you know, the typical provisions you'd find in an adult abuse or order protection or protection from abuse account? Yes, so it does uh, have a provision against harassment, stalking, abuse, verbal abuse is included in that. It doesn't go as far as, say, an order of protection, but it does give you an order that would prohibit, you know, your spouse from continually calling you and harassing you and texting you. You have the option to go back to court and hold her in contempt for that. So uh, is this only unique to divorce or there are similar uh, standing orders or injunctions in motions to modify paternity, other actions? Uh, in Shelby County, Tennessee, not particularly you have to go to juvenile court, but there's, there's nothing that prohibits you from going down and asking for some other relief on a, an emergency basis for either returning the children or for an injunction against having your spouse see them without supervision or something like that. Got it. So I imagine we've talked or I know I have one of the, the, the 10 stupidest mistakes guys make is not considering filing first uh, for a whole host of other reasons. But I have to believe that, you know, instances where 
their their spouse is having financial misconduct, you know, a lot of spending, you know, incurring a lot of debt. This is the kind of thing where if they hurry through, get filed, it gives them some temporary relief. That's exactly right. So it's the sooner the better you file when you have a spouse that's um, financially draining the bank accounts, running up the credit card debts, um, just purchases that you can't afford. The sooner you bet, the sooner you file, the better you're going to be. Otherwise, it's just going to be a marital debt that you're going to have to deal with later. Yeah, and you know, here we talked about the school and removing from their jurisdiction. You know, uh, schools are opening around the country uh, here and there, whether virtual or otherwise. Um, if there's a guy out there, I think you indicated uh, this injunction could, you know, at least, you know, you can't necessarily uh, um, stop from someone from moving a child from district to district, but it would put in place. Uh, those rules, right? So as we're facing this, you know, a spouse just can't go pick up and pick another school district, right? That's exactly right. So it wants the status quo, even in regards to the children, um, that includes removing them from one school district and going to another. So absolutely, the, the injunctions are going to be very important for that. Is there, a, um, I, I don't know if you mentioned earlier, is there a, uh, a mileage circumference that uh, that typically you'll find in Tennessee where you can move uh, without authority or is it, you know, some, you know, is there, is there any restriction about that? Can they just move across street or is there a, a mileage requirement? Yeah, Scott. So it, it's 50 miles. So uh, they, they I, I suspect the legislature did that to make sure that it's within a reasonable district distance from you, but 50 miles are outside the state of Tennessee is the, uh, or what's in the statute. That's it, okay. And they can find these, uh, this injunction online, I assume, if they want to familiarize themselves, particularly with uh, Tennessee, uh, and I imagine everywhere around the country they'll have similar orders. Absolutely, so if you just look up, uh, you can probably just Google Tennessee mandatory injunctions, and it'll give you a copy of the statute. It's 364106 in the Tennessee Code Annotated, and it lays out about eight different uh, provisions to be aware of. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, thanks. That's good stuff. Things that we haven't talked about that guys should know. Again, another element of strategy uh, that guys should really think about was they're considering filing and, and something they can take advantage of that their lawyer should be talking to them about. So thanks for joining us on that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Scott. So we'll continue to bring you information like this, uh, you know, just tips where you can use the law to your advantage uh, and consider it in your case and find ways to, to develop a strategy uh, to at least interim uh, stop something that's happening, give you some some temporary relief, something in that regard. So continue to tune in to this podcast twice each week. And again, to our virtual town hall each month, you can find us on the web at, at cordellcordell.com or you can go to our YouTube channel as well and find more videos, more podcasts online uh, with things like this. So until next time, have a great week.